Oh, uh, that's great. You know, the thing is, I was in a pretty good mood when I started this show. I was in a pretty good mood, and now I'm livid, livid. Uh, I don't like to start six minutes late. I like to start two minutes early if possible. It didn't happen. Hey, spinning ball of death, whatever. Let's start the show. Uh, can you hear me, first of all? I got a new speaker system go or a new mic system going. I don't see any indication that you can hear me. All right. So something else has gone wrong. Let's see if this is if I'm getting any level. I, it says I'm getting a level. Um, yeah, good. All right. I'll turn it up a bit. If it's if it's uh, if it's crazy loud, let me know too. Uh, all right. Let's start with the music. Yeah. I guess it comes in through here. A handy dandy lavalier mic. Thank you, Georgie B. Good. You. Oh, now. About to witness. The awesome, crushing uh, might of the U.G.S. Robinson Show. Stop it! Hey, kid. She's awake. <laughs> She's just checking to see if I'm okay. I don't know about okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, this is round number. Let's see if I can do it. A one, a four, an eight. I believe the UGS Robinson Show Stomper. I'm your host, UGS Robinson. Playing us in. Since 2007, Stigmata. Record's called The Calling of the Just. Song is called Intro, All of Nothing. Still available from Eugene S. Robinson, if you care to buy one. If you come in at the $10 level on Patreon.com, I'll send you one. It's got more than just a song on it, naturally. It's good, good music of the ilk that uh, you don't hear anymore. And here we go. Bob Riley is going to sing us in as he has since 2007. Listen, listen well. Could not see so clear. I'm taking a real good look at you. I'm taking a real good look. At your face. So being paid back in full, always nothing. Yeah, okay. All right, my friend, my friends, my friends, John McCain, my friends, a show that never ends. I am your host, Eugene S. Robinson. I believe this is round uh, a one, a four, a eight. And uh, let's get the commercials out of the way. 
patreon.com slash the stomper or the stomperville. You would think week after week during the week, I would have the time to look it up to see what that is. Or even in the scant minutes before the show starts that I would look it up uh, and figure out which it is. But I don't and I haven't. And now I will not. I will not be bullied by me into doing something that might show that I have my act together. I will not. We will not do what they want to do what they say. Oh, no. Um, Pinko, P-I-N-K-O, 95014 at yahoo.com if you want to go direct. Just FYI, the Patreon payment for January or for December was $3.18. Yeah, that's partially my fault because they only charge you if I post and I neglected to post December shows during December. So that was a holdover from November. At those prices, you're not going to have a show for much longer. But fortunately, uh, um, I'm expecting it to redound to our benefit come end of January, as well as Mr. Tommy LB, who keeps you all alive single-handedly through his generous donations, as well as now... Chest tips. Chest tips. Thank you, sir. I will be studying these because now I realize you actually can really play. So he says he's going to get come out here. We're going to hang and play some chess. And I don't mind being embarrassed, but uh, apropos of last week's show, but I don't want to be embarrassed in nine moves or less. There, there are certain bridges you cannot cross or uncross once having crossed them. So, so yeah, exactly. Eugene and Tommy's show. Tom and Jerry. Um, so that's Pinko. Uh, thank you to Mr. RG from Vegas, a generous donation uh, via either Venmo or ca- via Cash App. Um, yeah, the tape, the tape. I can see through the side of the computer. Uh, I, you know, I would go out and probably buy a new computer on credit, with the exception of the fact that this has a, uh, a DVD drive and they don't make the new ones with them. And I have friends who work at Apple who can get me a Q promo get it a little cheaper, but then I got spoiled because that cat, uh, the artist guy said that he was going to, that he was selling paintings to the weekend and to Demi Lovato and that, uh, and that he was going to come and, and buy me a new laptop. I was like, oh, Joe, cool, man, dude's going to come through. And then he disappeared, you know, but uh, it's all right. It's all right. You know what I discovered in life? If you expect very little, that's what you get. So, but I understand. Why would you? Just, uh, I thought it was strange up and buying me a computer at all. It would have been nice, but if you can't afford it, I'm completely fine with that. Anyway, commer- uh, all the commercials. My sister's book we talked about last week. Um, uh, I don't. I don't have any other commercials. So let, let's let, let, let's let's start. Uh, there's a. Um, yeah, I know. I got one of those. I got one of those uh, external DVD things. Uh, I could do that, but you know, I, you know. Anyway, uh, um, so uh, uh, let's go. Jesse Mallon, who I just saw somebody put up a picture. If you don't know, Jesse Mallon used to sing in one of the early New York bands, ha- uh, hardcore bands called Heart Attack. Uh, yeah, Heart Attack, and they had uh, their big hit was "God Is Dead," and he was probably about sixteen or seventeen. And then you know, hardcore went through this transformation. He disappeared. And then came back as this kind of Bruce Springsteen-esque, you know, chronicler of New York underlife, right? And as luck would have it, you know, Bruce Springsteen has a great ear for people who are Bruce Springsteen inspired, right? Like he heard Tom Waits' Jersey Girl song, goes, oh, come on. So he covers it, puts a little money, nice guy, 
Nice guy, Brucey, puts a little money in Tom Waits' pocket by covering the song. And he hears Jesse Mallon and goes, ah, oh, this kid's cool. Puts him on, has him open up the shows. Anyway, this is not to talk about Jesse Mallon. I guess he's got a new record coming out. Uh, uh, my wife says he sounds like Kermit the Frog. But I, <laughs> he's got a great line in one of his songs. And he, he goes, and keep in mind, I was born there in Queens. So this is not a knock on Queens. But he says, you know, it's always a drag walking in Queens. And, and you know, I have to, I have to sort of agree with him to a certain extent. Like my aunt, we lived in Jamaica. That was probably the first place that I w went after the hospital to Jamaica. And I grew up walking in Jamaica, not the country, the the, the section of Queens. And uh, and uh, you know, it. Uh, I didn't have any problems with Jamaica, but in general, they're right because Queens is not an urban setting, which means. The sheer number of people passing through any neighborhood at any given time is, is not enough to cause pause for notice, right? It's not enough. You, if you live on 32nd and 3rd, you don't have any time to... There are places you live in Brooklyn, we have very defined neighborhoods. You can tell people, you know, we, Whipping Boy went through there, Steve, our guitar player, we were out on the edge of Crown Heights, and they just said, screw it, six foot five white guy, let's throw rocks at him. You know, they threw rocks at him. You know, they didn't know what the hell he was, so... Um, so you can tell neighbors, but Queens, because it's got that kind of ex-bourbon, suburban thing sort of going, you know, people know. So at first, when you're young, you're walking through, you know, the other ki little kids call you, uh, um, um, they call you, what do they call you? They call you, hey, boy. Hey, boy, where you from? Where you from? You know, so they call you boy. And then, you know, when you start to get into a little bit older, teenage years, they start to call you, uh, Hey, mister, mister, the little kids will start to call you mister. I thought a major accomplishment when I went from boy to mister. So anyway, anyway, I'm walking through Queens once, and uh, I mean, I can see it. Um, I can see it. I, get, I mean, I, I, I can see it. I, I can see it in my mind, right? So I get off the train, and I'm walking to this job that I have. And so I'm walking. I'm, um, I'm walking this way. It's, well, it doesn't matter which way I'm walking. I'm walking down the street, and I see a guy about 60 yards away, and he's got, you know, this hip guy walk. And I was like, but he, we're about the same age demographic. I'm like, so already I get off the train, come down the stairs, past some bodegas, and I'm like, fuck this guy. Just for whatever reason, like, fuck this guy. And so he's bipping and bopping. He's coming toward me. And I'm, you know, and I'm like, you know, I'm going to, whatever, fuck this guy. I'm going to keep... Keep in mind, this animus is based on nothing outside of me seeing him 60 yards away and going similar age demographic. Fuck that guy. So as we get, I said, I'm not going to look. I'm not going to look. I'm not look. Now we're like 40 yards away. And I was like, ah, maybe, well, maybe if he's looking at me. Now we're 30 yards away. And I go, yeah, I think he is looking at me. Fuck that. Yeah, and so I'm looking. Now we're like 20 yards away. And now we're both looking at each other. He's bipping a little bit less. And now I'm walking a little bit slower, you know, and now we're like 10 yards away and I'm looking at him. Now, see, the, the staring duels in New York City are contingent on, on a couple of things, right? Like if you're moving, you can never w win a staring duel because you're a moving target. Unless you're going to turn your head around and walk into stuff, you either have to stop and address, the, you know, with the what, what the fuck you're looking at bit, or you have to break... The, the gaze and keep going. And they say, what do they say? That if you stare at somebody directly, well, there's some arbitrary, this is some 
cocktail party chat. If you stare at somebody for more than seven seconds, that you either want to fuck them or fight them. I don't remember. It, this is make believe. No social scientist did this study. But in any case, generally, probably they're kind of right. You know what's going to happen. And so, so we both kind of slow. Not enough to, but just so we can keep looking, and we're now we're looking at each other, and we pass. And I was like, wait a minute, was that a look or was that a look look? Was that a look or was that a hard look? So now this is me. So now I said, let me check, and I look back, and he's looking at me, and I go, and I so I, I look back, and I go, I think that was a look. And I look back again, and then he looks back again at the same time. He's like, yo, what the fuck is up? And I, and it's on. It's like if you've ever been into tango, they say there's a whole protocol for asking someone to dance in tango. You can't just bop over like in the disco days. Hey, baby, you want to dance? No, you can't do that. There's a whole, you know, the, the eyes, and it's a whole dance of subtleties with a nod and, the, you know, body language and stuff like that. So now, now it's on, right? So now I turn to face him. He goes, oh, what the fuck is up? I go, what the fuck is up with you? So now we're facing each other, but we're about 10 yards away. So we start looking fully hard 10 yards away. We stop, we do a double glance back, and now we're both turning and facing each other on the sidewalk. He goes, what the fuck is up? What the fuck is up with you? And the guy's like, whoa, you want to fuck? And, and as he starts waving his hands and doing all this shit, I start to cue in on the ridiculousness of it. And, and I can't stop it. But I start to go like this, just like I'm doing now. Like I start to smile, right? And now the guy goes, you fucking laughing at me? You laughing at me? And I'm looking at the guy and I'm just going, ah! And I just turn around and keep walking, right? And he's like, you motherfucker, you motherfucker. One, because he realizes that two, that one, he's provided me with a source of entertainment, which means I'm less likely to attack him. And two, as part of this little bit vignette of street theater, he has to continue. He has to continue so that he can spin himself on his heels after about uh, about 10 seconds of that. And to borrow a phrase from the crime faces guy, go home and eat the big pork chop. Right. So so and I'm walking to work. I'm thinking, man, I was about to scrap up with some guy for absolutely zero reason. So what was absent in this exchange? Right. What was absolutely, I mean, we were all stuck in this tangle as dance of, you know, tribal identification, similar demographic, you know, agro stylings. I mean, in actual fact, had the guy been, and, and there's an undeniable, of course, sexual angle too, right? You're like, once you see the guys look at me, what are you, what are you, what are you, gay? What are you, what are you, you know, there's a, and once that hasn't been, you know, I mean, keep in mind, if, if. I know enough to remember that the guy was well-dressed and handsome. I don't know what he remembers about me, but I did make note of the fact that he was well-dressed. If he had been a, a bummy street guy, would I have paid attention? No. So we're a similar demographic, and the dance is the same. Fuck a fight, fight a fuck, as well as challenge. This is like West Side Story kind of weird. You ever think about that West Side Story? These guys spend all this time running around the Lower East Side, chasing each other around in tight pants and, and, and sneakers. I'm just saying, you know, so uh, um, I get past him and I go walk to work and I'm laughing and I'm, like, and I'm thinking to myself, I go, that, 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 that's pretty funny. That, that's pretty funny. And, and over the course of time, I've realized that most people would rather talk than fight. Most people. 
Now, of course, when I realized that, immediately kind of after this exchange, I ran into, for about a year, I ran into people for whom that was not true at all. I get into words with somebody, they'd walk back to me, and I'd be about to jaw, and they'd go, crack. I go, what the? I go, okay. So if somebody does come all the way back, you know, not, not, not if somebody does come all the way back, they're not coming back to continue the argument. They continue, they, they're going to come back to, 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 to make a point. So I got it. So now, so now, so we start to lose fights, and then the, the gyre starts to turn. I start to win fights. Well, I, I start to tell people stuff like, that's close enough. Indicating you take a step closer, I'm going to view this as, a, as an act of war. But as a young man, this is me figuring out the modalities of power, right? And how to extend it. Last week, we talked about the boundaries of personality and what you would do to protect it. Now, you start to meet really, really, really dangerous people, like I have as a journalist, interview, interviewing folks. And, and I start to learn <coughs> about, <coughs> about, about lessons that I can telescope in, in, to, into macro issues. And it's about force and power projection, right? So the first, now I met plenty of street badasses growing up. But the first, um, the first, the first criminal badass that I met would have to be a, a when I was seventeen. The guy I wrote a story about him, Lester, who tried to kill me. In uh, he was a, a mafiosi uh, kind of enforcer, but he was more. He was having a roid rage at the time, and and he was a huffing and hollering and hooting. And that, that was the animal, the excessive animal expression of anger and rage that may or may not have had anything to do with power. Keep in mind, he chose me because I was 17 years old and 165 pounds. His animal brain was fully engaged. That's not real power. Not real power at all. So the first genuine, the genuine, maybe dangerous, badass I had met. And and I consistently was starting to pursue this, right? Where like I start putting out the Birth of Tragedy magazine and in, interviewing Manson and members of the Manson family and Anton Lavey and all that shit. And at one point, you know, at one point Anton Lavey, we were hanging out at his house, and I said something that pleased and or amused him, and he laughed and he said, uh, he said, "Oh, Eugene, you're you're absolutely and totally satanic." And I guess I must have made a face, like a not happy face. And he goes, oh, you know, I don't want to offend you. And I, and I was, you're not offending me. But, you know, it's like uh, the, the, all that shit's stupid to me. It's trappings. I, and I, I came to you because I want to talk about the nature of evil, right, which is not caught up in any kind of tribalism. You know, it, 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 is, it is macro. Like they talk about, they talk about, it's an un, unpopular topic to talk about, uh, but I, because it seems like you're trying to go down one road down the other about World War II war crimes committed by American soldiers. I've got video, there's video online. It's not like I've got it. I own it of American sh soldiers shooting, surrendering German soldiers. I would have to say as an American soldier, so? 
So, well, we've got to be better than that. Ah, fuck that. They've just been shooting at us for months. Forget it. I shot him. I didn't care. He dropped his gun, had a white flag. It's not a football game. Screw you. I shot him. So, so we, I mean, outside the, 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 the rules of engagement. Um, so the first series, let, just stick with me here. The first, the first series, badass, I went upside Manson. And, and and LeVay with the satanic thing. And I, I just I didn't want to, the Satanism, this is the kind of thing where kids in junior high just scroll swastikas on their books or like get into like weird, creepy. It's like all, it's, far, it's Dungeons and Dragons and Castles and, and, and Wizards to me. It's, it's all bullshit. It's, I, I don't, I just can't, I just can't, you know, Ricky, Ricky Casso, who gouged a guy's eyes out on Long Island pretty soon in this period, 1980. So, you know, uh, uh, in 1980, he, he uh, said, tell him Satan did it. Well, you know, maybe, or maybe Ricky Castle in his ACDC shirt decided to poke out the eyes of some poor son of a bitch because he was addled on LSD and running around the woods on Long Island. Who knows? Doesn't make a difference. You know, these stupid little, little, little tribal cult things, they have nothing to do with why I was there. I'm not, in other words, I got your hustle. I got your grift. I got your graft, your Satanism thing. Not for me. Not for me. So, um, but you know, good for you, good for your hustle. You take the unsuspecting. I would say the same thing if you were a Catholic priest or a bishop or something. So moving, moving on. So when is the first? It wouldn't be until I was at Defense Electronics Magazine, and I was doing the command uh, C3I command control uh, communication uh, intelligence uh, uh, publication, and started going to defense industry trade shows where I started to read real badasses. I started to meet special forces guys, and I started to meet people um, who who were who were apparatchiks of or instruments of great political power machinery. Um, uh, so so immediately immediately this is a very this is a very different thing. These are the weights on the scales that make Russia heavy, and these cats were completely different. Then I'm like meeting guys who I've like seen in Soldier of Fortune magazine, and you know up to Mike Canis, who was dead, I think killed in Nicaragua. I'm, I'm I'm forgetting now. So now I'm starting to meet some some heavy people. And I, how old am I at this point? Uh, 25 or 26. Serious cats, serious people. Like not fuck around. And, and what 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 I've noted, and this is why I started to I went from the seventeen year old who almost got killed by the mafia enforcer to a much more watchful twenty five twenty six year old because I found that these guys like the line of song says, I find these guys who moved in violence also moved in silence. And that I understood ultimately that the power of political projection is in the threat and not the delivery. All right, it's in the threat, not the delivery. When you're watching Goodfellas and there's a scene with Billy Bats in the bar, he goes, "Well, Billy, you 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 got a little salty yourself there. You were a little insulting just a little bit." He says, "I wasn't insulting this guy's busting." And De Niro, as as uh, Jimmy the Gent uh, Burke, who in real life was a a murdering psychopath. Uh, you don't even get a. You don't even get, he kills everybody in the Lufthansa thing in, in, in the movie, 
but you don't even get a sense. He started dating a woman and her, her ex-boyfriend was giving her a hard time. They found the guy chopped up in his fucking trunk. I mean, you if you've dated any, you know, maybe somebody you're dating, they got problems with an ex. You're like, ah, fuck that guy. You're going to murder the guy, chop him up, and put him in the trunk? So Jimmy the Gent went at the bar, at the scene in, you know, life and art intersect. At the bar, he looks at him, goes, he goes, ah, oh, fuck that guy. And Jimmy the Gent goes, okay. That's power projection. That is power projection. The state is premised on that kind of power projection. Nobody shows up at my house with a gun and says, pay your fucking taxes. But it's implied that if I don't pay my taxes, the system is constructed that I end up like Willie Nelson, <coughs> Willie Nelson or, or Wesley Snipes. Understood. Understood. You know, policing changed. Talking to my cop friends, policing changed in a very significant way with radios. You know, you look at the heyday of bank robbery. These guys didn't have radios, didn't have any C3I, command control, communications, intelligence. They were just like, uh, have to call on the phone. Hey, do you guys have a bank robbery today? John Dillinger would already be down the road robbing the next bank. So, when you get a call, January 6th, to come to D.C. to protest a stolen election, there are ways to show up and ways not to show up. I'm going to put my cards on the table, but I'm not turning them up yet. So, whether we get MLK's March on Washington whether we get any various iterations of the Million Man March, when you get the Women's March, yes, there's hooting and hollering and signs, but largely what these, what these gatherings were to expose was unspoken power, right? Right. Unspoken power. So that so that Lyndon B. Johnson, Martin Luther King shows up and the people packed out in the mall and he knows that the cameras are there, the radio is there, TV is there. He's like, well, I said there's two things, radio, TV, you know what I mean. World press is there. I got to respond to that. One guy in a soapbox in the, in the whatever that, what's the name of that park in England? Ah, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Oh God! Not Trafalgar Square, but the park where they stand on on uh, uh, soapboxes and talk. Well, that's one guy. That's one guy. Hitler in Bavaria, out in the square. One guy. It's not a threat until that one guy starts to represent the unspoken power of thousands. Fine, Million Man March, MLK's March, Women's March, uh, and January sixth March. Yeah, 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 Hyde Park. So, uh, uh, so January sixth, come. We are gonna, we are going to, in a, a show of power, you know, about the stolen election. You show up in D.C. Now, Marty G, who's a, who's a Trump guy, says, "Yeah, you know, Eugene, yeah, you know nothing about logic and reason. Yeah, but we kind of talked it out." And he's like, "Yeah, but you notice I wasn't in D.C." 
Marty G says. I, I got you. It somehow lacked logic or reason to him, not clearly elucidated, which would have been, let me show you, let me show you, um, let me show you what we mean. All of these things are the same. BLM and the, you show up for a mass demonstration. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. You show up for a mass demonstration. Your presence is the point. That's the point where you pass the guy on the sidewalk, you post up, you turn around, and you look at each other. And that moment stops. In actual fact, it could be said that at the point where that guy started hollering and I started laughing, or rather, I started laughing and he started hollering, that he lost. Now, I've walked across the street, walking across the street, just thinking about Coca-Cola and mosquitoes and bug spray, to borrow a line from David Rabe, the basic training of Pablo, Pablo Hummel, great Vietnam War era play, done at Joseph Papp's Theater. And I'm walking along just smiling to myself, walk by some guys, what the fuck are you laughing at? Dude reaches in his bag. And so I start, I start to rush him, my intent being, whatever's in that bag is not coming out. Not before I leg sweep you, grab what's in the bag, and if it's a gun, I'm going to shoot you to death with it. We never get to that stage. But Cuban Missile Crisis, all about the threat project, projection, not threat actualization. The baby's looking. Are you in agreement? So, so you show up. Uh, um, you show up wherever it could be, whether it's in Warsaw, where they're against the Law and Justice Party, people are protesting extra restrictive uh, 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 abortion rules, whether it's uh, <laughs> you know what, KC just won. I I wish I had a love for football, but my love for football is based on is based on haterism. So all I need to know in regards to football is, is Tom Brady going to be in the Super Bowl? Because I've been hoping all season that Tom Brady would not be in the Super Bowl. I don't want Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, and I don't want the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. So if neither one of them are going to be in the Super Bowl, my football mission is done for the year, and I can move my haterage onto baseball or basketball, whatever season we need to be in right now. Um, so. Um, so, uh, so okay, so, so the two-step is show up, and it's a silent show of power. Okay, good, good. If it's during the show, let me know. And, but let, let me, is he, is he in the playoffs, Brady? It's like I, I, hated, I hated Elway for years because he was at Stanford the same time I was. And the one second I looked away, I don't care about football, but I knew I had to focus like when you're in an airplane and you got to focus on keeping the wing on the plane by staring at it. And for half a second, I look away, and that was the year that the Denver Broncos won the fucking Super Bowl. It was because of my lack of attention that Elway snuck one over on me. Because I figured, is it possible that a guy could go through his whole life and never not get what he wants? Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. And something distracted me for half a second. I turned back. 
I probably turned my hatred onto some young Silicon Valley upstart who had just made a hundred million gajillion dollars. And I turned back and boom, Super Bowl win. John Elway. Ugh, yuck. So, oh, so Brady's playing half of the, I hope he, oh, I, I can't get distracted. So these cats show up. MAGA tribe shows up in, in uh, January 6th. All right. And what do you call the guy in, in a marching band, the guy with the big hat and the stick at the, at the front of the line, the, not the band master. If you, any of you were in a marching band, you know that guy's got a special name. Uh, got the big, big hat and the stick, and he marches in front of the marching band. So in that instance, that would be Trump. I told you guys to show up, and, uh, and the guys show up. Tell you to show up, and they show up. He gives a speech, and what he says, I mean, you just think about it. Think about all the movies you've seen. Think about the Malcolm X thing where, with uh, uh, Spike Lee, where at one point, I think something happens with the police up in Harlem, and Spike uh, and Malcolm X is played by Denzel Washington, gets a bunch of Nation of Islam, kind of mo black Muslims, and they go over to the police station, and they just stand outside silently. And like... You know, could you guys disperse? We're peacefully assembling. No. And then whatever. I, I, the movie is hazy. I haven't, it's like 25 years since I've seen it. But I remember, I remember something like that. So the MAGA tribes, he goes, you know, let's march down there. And then he pauses and says, and fight. So these guys who live in their mother's basements, these stay-at-home dads, and I, I've been a stay-at-home dad for many years myself, not deriding the stay-at-home dads, but if you're a stay-at-home dad and you got a kid under 15, if the kid's with you, bad parenting. If the kid's not with you, you're not much of a stay-at-home dad. There were two categories of people who showed up to these things. Professionally, financially functioning people, the cops, firefighters, And then, then the professionally disengaged sons of wealthy judges. So whether the rich guys, the professional working class, or the bums. Yeah, the, the, and the, yeah, drum major. Thank you, drum major. So, um, um, so they get there. These were, and there were women there who were you know, fun, fundamentally, you know, attaches to these these different male groupings. And don't give me a hard time about this. You know, the Proud Boys is not called the Proud Boys and Girls. It's called the Proud Boys. They describe themselves as a Western chauvinist organization. You know, this is in natural order, you know, women are subservient to men, and that's what we're going to carry through. Yeah, okay. All right. Really? You sound like guys who can't get girlfriends to me, but whatever. No, nah, no, nah, he doesn't get a gift for that. If you pay more than $10 level, you get the free Stigmata CD. Other than that, no, nah, no. Nah, but the drum major, that's a good one, Steve Brunsworth. Thank you. So they get there, and if you've ever been part of any, I, I got tricked into going on a on a on a uh, demonstration march myself. Didn't really enjoy it. Just got tricked, but whatever. I, I I have no memory of what I was protesting. Even a friend of mine invited me out to dinner, and then uh, and then uh, he says before dinner, grab those candles. I said, what the fuck was that? And then he, we walk out into the streets, and there are other people with, with there are other people with candles. 
and I'm walking down the street with a lit candle. I feel like Charlie Chaplin in modern times. The fuck am I doing here? He, I got tricked into 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 the into, into a demonstration. But these cats show up in D.C. and they walk down. And I interviewed somebody. We got a true story coming up next week. Uh, I interviewed somebody who was there, who worked for a Republican congressman hiding in the building. She said the two buildings that were on either side, big, big buildings, were all evacuated. She's telling her boss, uh, and I'm, you'll have to read the true story, which I'll tweet out when it, when it happens. And she was watching the buildings empty out and I'm watching it. And I said, well, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, why, uh, you know, my, I know my Trump people are saying that this was just, there was high spirits. And she goes, I was in the building. We were, we were barricaded in. I heard them. Somebody would have gotten killed if they had managed to get to us. And that's when you start thinking about Stalin and how much do you weigh? Do you weigh more than Russia? Who do you think cops in England don't carry guns? You know what's more dangerous than a gun? A radio. You know what the radio represents? Russia. The state. The collection of individuals that have been hired behind me to guarantee that order is maintained. I need a gun. We're going to get 200 people. think, oh, America's guns have made America free. Keep in mind, I have a different take on the whole gun thing, but we're not getting into that now. The reality of it is the nation of Poland had plenty of guns. It did not prevent the Germans from rolling through there. It's the threat, not the exercise of the threat, that keeps things. They didn't attack Switzerland. There were just better ways to do business with Switzerland, what with all the banking and all that stuff. So my point is, you get down and, 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 and you know you get down to the capital, and what happens? What happens? There are plenty of people who go, "I came to protest. I didn't come for that shit." I have to believe you. I have to believe that people who don't understand mass movements and haven't been in the middle of riots, I happen to believe that they were honest to God telling the truth and that, uh, and that, uh, and that they didn't know. But like that friend of mine who went to prison for six years for involuntary manslaughter after he went to his girlfriend's sister's house to protect her from being beaten up by the much larger drunken boyfriend, his case hinged on when you left the house at night, what did you take with you? Well, I grabbed my wallet, uh-huh. I grabbed my keys, yeah, and my pocket knife, uh-huh. You took a knife. What happened to this knife later? Well, I just held it because I thought it would scare him. He came, he rushed me, we tussled, he fell on the knife, and he died. Six years in voluntary manslaughter. Guy wanted to tell the truth. I would have I liked to have thought that I would have smelled it myself. So I don't know. The knife was there. I found it on the floor. This was not your knife. I'm starting to think through my head. Can they prove it's my knife? Can they prove it's my knife? If they can't prove it's my knife, if they can't prove it's my knife, then I, I, it was just there on the table. I just picked it up. That small difference, that guy doesn't go to jail for six years. So you leave your house. What do you take? You take your Trump flag, right? Take your red hat. Yeah. Okay, what else? You take your gun, take your zip ties, take your flag vest. Nah, 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 nah. So that means that you think that you weigh more than Russia, that your exercise of power 
is, is going to be a winning stratagem where you military vets, all these cats out there with explosives and the, that you're actually going to turn over, you're going to turn over the machinery of a 400 year old government in an afternoon. In an afternoon. And I just say this because if you have any real understanding of real power, if you had any real understanding of real power, you would have pulled up. You, you have, if you had, you don't even have thousands. I, I froze there for a second. You don't even have thousands. You know, um, you don't even have thousands. You have, let's just say a thousand, not even thousands. You have a thousand people stand up and keep a silent vigil. That's eerie. That would have been enough because I figure each of those thousands of people, or each of that thousand people is probably connected to at least 10 fellow travelers. International press picks it up. The promise, the threat. It, the, the promise, the threat, significant. But they get there and, and people who don't know the game they start to they start to make the same. I've been in the middle of riot, riot in San Jose. I'm going to put up a poster about it, and uh, an injustice had been done. The cops came in and stopped the show at the San Jose Civic. Kids felt injustice has been done, and they had an immediate emotional reaction. But what happened Wednesday, January 6th, wasn't an immediate emotional reaction. It was an emotional reaction, but it was a planned emotional reaction with no idea of, 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 of follow through because it was planned with somebody who didn't understand political power and actual leadership. Any, any crime boss could have done, could have done better than that. I'm going to light this fuse and I'm going to run home and watch what happens. Clearly your predetermined outcome is not what you were expecting. If you really want Vladimir Putin wouldn't have done it that way if it was really a power grab. And I'm not saying it was any less than a power grab. I said it was an incompetent power grab. If it really was a power grab, yeah, he was watching it on TV. If it really was a power grab, it, it would have been planned. Deals would have been cut. You know, allies would have been secured. Meetings would have been had. It was poorly planned from the outset. Planning is a, an aggressive word to use in this context. So the wing nuts get a hold of everything. And more importantly, what happened is large portions of the Republican Party realized that these wing nuts are just wing nutty for Trump. Trump doesn't run. They don't vote. Trump tells them who to vote for. Maybe they still don't even vote. Exactly. Exactly. Broadsmith wins again. Endgame would have been decided. The deals would have been cut. The deal would have been made. And it would have been, it would have been fair complete. Like people talk about Johnny Boney Joni, my insider, my insider spies. What do they tell me? Tell me the same thing. They say, John is not fighting any fights that he thinks he can lose. He's only taking fights that he can win. The only fights he's come close to losing are, fight, are fights that he didn't expect the guys to show up at all in any significant way. And they surprised him.
Yeah, they they surprised him. Those were the only ones that he he got. got. This is this is not. You don't hope. You don't wait. You don't you don't throw a bomb into a theater and then run outside and and hope it gets somebody. <laughs> you don't do that at all. You don't do it at all. Apropos of this, you know, uh, 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 Max Holloway. <coughs> oh, I don't care. I don't care. Yeah, it's probably the Rona. I, I, I don't. And also the show. Uh, let me take a brief aside out here because we're getting into the MMA portion of the show. This show is dedicated to Paul Polavare Varlins, who succumbed to uh, COVID at the age of 51, um, either yesterday or the day before yesterday. And uh, Paul Polavera Varlins fought uh, Marco Hujas in one of the early fights of the, the UFC in the early days. Um, had a lot of uh, great fights. Wasn't a super talented uh, a fighter, um, but he. I used to train with him when I first started training, and this is now about 25 years ago. Uh, was the first guy who taught me how to do an ankle lock, and. Uh, and uh, uh, heel hook and an ankle lock trained together. And then after I left uh, AKA, uh, lost uh, contact with him. And then when I was editor in chief of Code Magazine, he came back into my orbit, weirdly enough, because we had some stuff to do with Dennis Rodman and he was hanging out with Dennis Rodman and Madonna and that whole, that he had gone Hollywood and uh, was a pretty phenomenal guy and uh, uh, was claimed by COVID. Um, and I'm sure uh, the COVID deniers would go, well, well, he was big, you know, he was big, big cat, you know, probably about six foot four, about 300 pounds. Um, it doesn't change the fact that a guy who I liked is dead. So I'm dedicating this show to Paul Polar Bear Varlins and uh, 51 years old is not an age that anybody wants to or expects to die. And he was commenting, you know, texting folks and, and posting on his Facebook page up until they put him in a medically induced coma and then he's dead. So, um, but, um, um, so, uh, so anyway, uh, so this show, this show is for him in memoriam and, uh, rest in power brother. And, uh, so anyway, so Max, I, dude, I don't give a fuck what, what, and I could say fuck on this show. I don't give a fuck what Steph says. I believe that Max Holloway beat Volk. Okay, I think he beat him for sure, Volkanovski, the second time, for sure. 100% sure, beyond the shadow of a doubt. Yes. I'm going to get to Spencer, Spencer Fisher in a second. Um, I believe, okay, this is the disputed fight was the first one. Yeah, definitely beat him the second time. Steph and I still d dispute the first one. And I was like, all right, well, get, get some juice going. The second one, no, no fucking way. But I knew that he would show up for this one. He said, yeah, you know, he's too down. And maybe this, I said, first of all, he's not Brazilian. This is not a head issue for him. And he, like many other people, believe he was robbed a second time. And, um, and uh, yeah, he was a good guy. And uh, he was robbed a second time. And he's also doing the finger in the mouth in the air thing. Uh, you know, if we've talked about the oopsie as being like the worst girlfriend in the world, he, you know, as your girlfriend starts staying out a little bit too late and, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, staying out a little bit too late and flimsy excuses and jumping in the shower right after she gets home, you know, uh, you know, uh, 
you know, uh, you start to maybe have righteous suspicions. So, you know, you get, okay, <laughs> the guy gets the first one. Uh, maybe you get him a second. I, you, are you creating a trilogy? Oh, they magically give it to him a second time. Uh, you know, um, they magically give it to him the second time, right? And then you start to uh, you, you, you start to think if you're Max Holloway, and maybe I'm getting maybe this is the bum's rush. Maybe I'm going to come home and find a sausage where a sausage shouldn't be. Maybe that's what's happening. Yeah, I passed out last night. Actually, side note: keep put a put a pin in that one about. Um, I passed out. I was watching documentary now, and I got this cough, and uh, we got the baby in bed, so I can't really cough. And as a it was a thing, Maria Obramovich, the take on Maria Marino Obramovich, and so I'm laughing, but I'm trying not to cough, and I'm trying to be quiet. And, you know, Kasha's is like, hey, be quiet, be quiet. And she's getting angry with me because I'm laughing louder and louder. And she turns to look at me and she goes, you were gone. And all I could remember is like, if those of you, you're a hardcore, you're, uh, you're a longtime hardcore fan listener. If you remember the time I did the show and passed out on the air. Where I go, you know, knuckle and I thought, oh, there's an earthquake. And I woke up on the floor and I look up and the computer is still climb back up and do the show. So I think this is what happened, right? Like I'm like, ah, laughing and I'm trying not to cough and I'm oh, and everything just went white. And I thought, I'm dying. I'm dying. And she and then I like, whoa. And she's like all panicked and she's like, what? And you know, Paul had just died, and uh, I'm going, uh, uh, what? So then I went out running early this morning. She goes, don't die out there. So I'm running. And I go, okay, I'm going to push it. Make sure I don't die. I'll make sure I don't die. And I'm spitting just to check out my phlegm. And I think I'm all right. I think I'm all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, man. That was that was hell. Anyway, so where, where do we put the pin in it? So so Holloway says, okay, maybe you're, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to leave. Um. I'm not going to leave. I'm not. Forget it. Forget it. Forget it. Forget it. Maybe this is the way to show me that, 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 that sausage time is up for me. No way. So, yeah, he usually has a slow start. And you could hear the commentators were already in the pocket of uh, Qatar. They were, and I love Qatar, but he wasn't They're uh, talking him up in D.C. Remember, this is not like, uh, like Steph made a good point today. Uh, we record Care Don't Care today, even though it comes out tomorrow. She made a good point, or it was either her, her or John Nash made the point. It's like, this is not sports commentary like Howard Cassell hired by ABC or independent. These are company guys hired by the UFC for commentary. It's not, like, it's not like Howard Cassell worked for ABC. He didn't work for the NFL. So he could call it like he said it, like, like he saw it. These guys are in the pocket for Qatar. And finally, by the second round, they had to realize, oh, he usually gets a slow start, doesn't come alive to the third round. Holloway was like, screw that. Beating him from pillar to post from the first round. Now, Steph was like, Eugene, you're never one of those guys who says they stopped the fight too slow, but you have to agree that this fight was stopped too long. And I said, listen, going into, going into this week, I had two things that put a bad taste in my mouth. Two things. One thing was a Spencer Fisher piece. And I alluded to him a few weeks ago. I didn't mention his name. 
about people who were kept on the payroll because they were so, bad, so badly damaged, they didn't want them getting out in public. Well, uh, clearly the check stopped. I found that story depressing in the extreme. If I hurt myself at work, who's responsible for that? Work. Thank you, union. Second thing I found really distressing was the Baldwin's response to it later on that week after the piece when he was asked about it. It's like, yeah, you know, shit happens. That's like the boss I had who when I got a, when I was a, a cashier at the dentist's that fast, fast and natural, that health food, fast food, health food store on 18th Street and Fifth Avenue in New York back in the 70s. Um, no, I don't think he should have stopped it. I don't think he should stop, but I'll get into that in a second. I don't think the fight should be. And so I, once again, had to be that guy. Don't, don't stop it too soon, guy. However, when I worked there, the guy, the woman came, she said, I'm a chemist. If you mix citrus with styrofoam, you get a poisonous compound. These dishes could poison people. And I go to tell my boss, <coughs> uh, <coughs> I go to tell my boss, my boss finally just looks at me and says, get the fuck out of here. What do you expect me to do? I got a whole, I got $10,000 worth of those plates back there. You want me to throw them in the garbage? Get out. I go back to work. So the bald one's confronted with this guy. He's like, hey, shit happens. Hmm. Your son comes, dad, man, I, I got messed up. He's like, hey, son, shit happens. Or like Mr. Marcus said, you know what the job was when you took it. So I'm stuck, you see, between these two versions of reality. You didn't know what the job was when you took it. Hey, 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 why don't you go feed those, uh, chimp those, those adolescent chimpanzees? Well, you got a cage? Nah, 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 we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't have a cage. You don't have a cage. Huh. Yeah, okay, well, you know. Hey, you know, I got my groin chewed off and my eye sockets ripped out. You think you'd help? Hey, you know what the job was when you took it. We live by a compact. And that compact indicates, I'll do my best and you do your best. Now, if what the bald one is saying is that the nature of fighting is such that it's unavoidable that these things will always happen, then they would have a lot more damaged guys on the payroll. The issue is, how many do you have like Spencer Fisher? Clearly, you don't have enough so that the bald one can't get away with saying, eh, shit happens. Who's that, the professional wrestler guy who was messed up, kills his whole family, and then they go, eh, shit happens. The thing is, the thing is, when they say, you know, we don't want drugs in this society because we don't want kids on drugs. You know, at what point do all of us stand to get sanctioned for something that only some of us do? At what point, yeah, Chris Benoit, at what point do you, should you get sanctioned? You know, Spencer Fisher screwed up. Does that mean, but... On a long enough timeline, is Diego Sanchez going to happen? Is, you know, how many of these cats are not going to be right? Are we considering this? Now that UFSI has an institution where they say they're studying this thing, like the NFL, trying to stay ahead of the CT issue, I don't know how legit that is. Like, I don't know how legit the commentary is. Like, I don't know how legit the, the judging is. But clearly... MMA has got to be something that you do if you have deep emotional needs to do it, which means automatically that you are not in a prime position for making a decision about fighting MMA. 
in any in, in any in any case, in any case, the reality of it is, um, I don't think Steph was saying they should have stopped that. They should have thrown in a towel after the third round. I go bullshit on that. I said the only play, only of those five rounds where I kind of felt that way was the fourth round where he was delivering elbow after elbow after elbow after elbow. Yeah, yeah. I didn't go down, Ray. I didn't go down. I, I was like, now nah, maybe. And, you know, I hear Dan Hardy, who was a friend to knuckle up, but still is a little bit of a mueler in, in regards to that. But he's a fighter, so he's got a right to mule. He was like, oh, they should stop it. And the audio was screwed up again, where I could hear DC bleeding over into the other mics. Either, either give that guy a booth or, or baffle his mic, or somebody help him, please, because I shouldn't be picking them up on other mics. And so the fourth round, he's elbow after elbow after elbow, and he's got the chicken legs. I was like, uh, okay. But then the fifth round, he kind of comes back. Uh, yeah, he kind of comes back, and, and you know, it was a little big game. I, I didn't feel bad about the, doubting him in the fourth and I also looked to the guy, which is a bad measure, because the guy was like, he, of course, he would have fired his whole team if they had thrown in the towel. He's, what, are you going to thank your whole team for throwing in the towel for some shit that 10 years that doesn't happen? How are you going to thank how do you how are you going to thank somebody for something that doesn't happen? Now, Max, as one of you pointed out in, in the commentary in the fifth round, was taking Anderson Silver-esque chances. Remember, there's a big difference between showboating and grandstanding. Grandstanding is when you got it in the bag. Showboating is when you get your ass knocked out fucking around the fifth round. Okay? Okay. <laughs> Archer! Archer! <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, but, but Max, um, um, th that, yeah, when he started talking to, and he was doing the Matrix thing, four shots in a row, firing back, and then hit Qatar. That was stony. I didn't think it was clowning. Clowning is when the guy is smiling. Max is the guy who gets home early, finds a sausage where a sa sausage shouldn't be, and says, you know, I often wonder what, what I would do. Having been in the perpetrator role in that position many a time, you know, I, and I tell you, I went over to a friend's house to pick something up, and he hadn't showed up yet. And so I'm just standing in the, in the kitchen talking to his wife, and he opens the door. He's like, hi, honey. And he sees his wife first. And then he's aware of this looming black shadow. And he kind of turns and he sees me there. And it was one of the most truthful moments in our interaction where he sees me standing in the kitchen with his wife. And he's like, yeah, 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 he didn't like that. He didn't like that. He didn't like that. So, so, um, so I often wonder, well, what would happen if I walked in and found a sausage where a sausage shouldn't be? And I said, you know what? In that situation, I would want somebody to do for me. Yeah, that, Steph talked about the 400 strikes. I would want somebody to do for me what I would do in that situation were I to be the perpetrator who was caught, which is just like, uh, what is that? Uh, divorce American style, like great movie where the guy's wife comes home and finds him in bed with a woman and she's screaming and complaining about, oh, you're in bed. And the woman gets dressed and scur scurries out. And then the husband, as she's screaming, slowly getting dressed, he puts a shirt on, his tie on, makes up the bed, gets his pipe, sits down in the chair with a newspaper, and she goes, he goes, what are you, what are you talking about? When's dinner going to be ready? And she's like, I, 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 guess, I guess it didn't happen. 
I guess it didn't. So I often thought if I struggled, came in on something like that, if everybody just walked out quietly and didn't give me anything to react to, that would be perfect. Like some guy I almost murdered in a fist fight in D.C., he shows up in Texas. And I'm standing there in the middle of the sidewalk, pants open, shirt open, got a bottle of wine. Oxbow has just played. And I got standing there on the sidewalk, yeah, and I see him and his two buddies walking toward me. And I was like, yeah. And these three cats walk toward me, and I'm waiting, like, and they walk right by me like I didn't even exist. And it was so fucking eerie. I started to like doubt the actual reality of my existence. That would work. Just leave. So when Holloway was not clowning, he was not smiling, and he was like saying, "So I'm a freshman, huh? I'm a freshman, huh?" He was. He could hear the commentary. He heard the run up. He paid attention to it all. And now what he's done is he's done, he's he's pulled a Johnny Boney Joni maneuver of the highest order. Fundamentally, he said, "You know what? You know." What? You guys got a hard on, and this is also what I've done in that situation. I slept with the hairdresser. Okay, tell you what, good for you guys. I'm glad you guys found each other. I'm glad for you guys to find each other. Go be with each other. I'm happy you have my blessing. One less problem I have to worry about because the boundaries of my personality are not such that they're going to be affected by this defection at all. Good luck to you. Good luck to you, Volkanovsky. Take your belt and try to build a division. Me, the guy who just fought a $50,000 performance bonus in a night fight that'll have people talking for weeks. Me, I got better, bigger fish to fry. <laughs> that was stony. That was stony. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, Herb has figured out we have a short memory for fights that have stopped too long unless you're the guy on the receiving end. And a very long memory, like, uh, uh, not Mazagati, who's the other cat, the bald guy, Mergliata, um, um, a very long memory for fights that stopped too soon. Right? So uh, I'm, I'm defending Herb Dean on this one. It was sexy and sophisticated Herb Dean, I'm defending him on this one. So, um, so that, that, was, uh, that was a stony fight. Max is back, and Max is like, said, you know, good luck to you. Good luck to you, Volkanovski. Good luck to you and your division, actually. Because you're the belt holder. You're the greatest. You fight the, re you fight the revived Brian Ortega and get beyond him. <coughs> and if you want scenes to the undoing of Volkanovski, you, you know what? Volkanovski, I would have put him on an LB listing. He was like, yeah, you know, training. We're training together. I even give Izzy a, Izzy a hard time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, slow down there. Slow down there. Yeah, the Condit, the Condit Brown was, I was looking like this, like John Nash at the horror lens. <laughs> Condit looked okay, but that wasn't my concern. My concern, I'm a big Matt Brown booster. My concern was for him. And I had the sads. <laughs> I had the sads. I did, uh, and, and you know, there were a couple of other Soriana for Soriana. Soriana became a care for Steph. I was like, I still need to see a little bit more of that guy. I mean, he was dealing with a Matrix man. The guy was like, ooh, I'm going to Mayweather him out of this. I'm going to duck these punches. Watch. And then he gets caught. 
Uh, I'm going to give that to Soriana. Did Chirico deliver, deliver some karma to, to, Buck, to Fuckley? And Ponzinibbio was the most depressing, most depressing. I made some allegations, slight allegation about the use of growth hormone on the part of Li Jinglang just because his head features are so big and pronounced. But I don't know this for a fact. I'm just poking. I'm just poking. Just poking. Just poking. So later on, on Care Don't Care, we talk about Wednesday's fight, and uh, which I think had 15 fights on the card. It starts at 6 in the morning. Not going to be watching that. And then we talked about the, the McAnal McAnal fight against uh, Dustin Poirier. And I'm going to tell you right now, <coughs> what the hell? <coughs> I got the Rona. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now <coughs> that I, I picked Poirier, not because I'm a super lover of Poirier, but I just can't. And if, if, if you want a sense of, again, we, let's go, let's go come full circle. No, no, well, you look, you know, the whole Russian Olympic team has been banned for years from international competition because of state sponsored juicing. And if you don't think that, you know, I mean, MMA happens at the behest and the, you know, this gambling interest in Macau, but this is, you know, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So uh, um, this is actual projection, power projection, real, real actual power is all about the, the uh, threatened promise versus the actual delivery. So when I see McAnal has a million dollar watch that has animated people fucking on it, I just have to say, I just have to say, man, why don't you go someplace to get the help that you need? He could show up in a howitzer, and, and I'm not going to pick him against Poirier. I'm just not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. Even if he do, didn't have three sexual assault charges, it's outstanding. There's my daughter. Let's see if we can get her on. Hold on. Hey, we're, do, we're doing the show. Say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. Yeah, say everybody. That's my oldest daughter, Grace. And that's my grandson, Kai. <laughs> he, he looks like it's about bedtime. Doesn't want to be in there. Hey, kid, let me call you back. I'm right at the end of the show. Okay, All right, bye-bye. All right. So, um, so, so you need help. A million dollars for a watch that has people fucking on it. Even if you weren't, even if you weren't rich and a million dollars was nothing, it's stupid. Even if you, even if that watch wasn't a million dollars and the watch was cheap, if you as a 33-year-old man and I are hanging out in the bar, <coughs> um, yeah, man, you got a good memory, Ian. Yeah, yeah, that was a long time ago. You know, if, if you know, even if you were in a bar and you said, hey, Eugene, look what I got, and you show me that watch, I would think in my head, you're a fucking dumbass. Act like you've been there before. What's the matter with you? So at this point now, at this point now, nut jumper. Somebody made a question in the comments uh, about about uh, they think it's a setup. That would be fortunately, I think enough has broken right for Poirier 
that I can't see him taking. I can't see him being swayed. But this is me being stupid. I can't see him being swayed. Um, I can't see him being swayed by something extra in the envelope. Another sausage. Because it doesn't redound to his benefit to be beaten by the guy twice. And also, if he does beat him, I understand that that McRapist might say, okay, well, now we got a trilogy. McRapist is just about charting a future at least five years in the road that has him doing something other than ducking sexual assault charges and having to have sex with his wife, which he seems to only do on occasion. Yeah, but it's exactly. It's not just his sausage. It's the bit. It's the Baldwin sausage. So who knows? But it doesn't make a difference to me because I'm picking Poirier, and that's just yeah, exactly. The jungle wants Connor to win, but I just can't. I just can't. I just cannot. 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 Will I put money on Poirier? Sorry, cannot. You know, I saw them filming the movie Three Days of the Condor. Uh, we had a class trip to the Whitney Museum, and I look up. And I see Robert Redford. And I was like nine years old. I was like, oh, shit, there's Robert Redford. <clears throat> My teacher goes, you're crazy. I go, hey, Robbie. He turns, I don't know why I suddenly called him Robbie. He looks, turns around, like waves. Like, hey, the phone booth scene. I was like, all right. Yeah. I mentioned that because what? Because in three days, I'm going to be $1,000 richer. Thank you for listening. This has been round number 148 of the Eugene S. Robson Show Stomper. Uh, Monday afternoon, care don't care happens. Listen to it. <laughs> Listen to it. And uh, yeah, man, don't start with me. Hate the player. Oh, he's a gict. He's a gict. Oh, he's a gict, Dustin. Please don't. We turn our lonely eyes to you. Don't screw this up. Monday is uh, care don't care afternoon. Tuesday is if the shoe fits with John Nash this week. So it's just a, it's a no hip hop evolution, John Nash, and uh, and then that true story from the people that were in the Capitol when it was getting bum rushed by shirtless guys with uh, Confederate flags. Until then, <clears throat> until then, stay alive. We'll see you next Sunday. <clears throat> Donate the money. Don't die. Uh, and we'll see you soon. And you know what we say? Look what you made me do. <coughs> Ha <laughs> <laughs>